What's going on? Welcome into episode 17 of the podcast, Cast a Podcast with Ronnie Moore. Today we're back to what we are all about, bass fishing. Bass fishing is back, and I'm super excited that the tournament season is getting back underway. And it's going to start at Lake Eufaula down in Alabama, right there on the Alabama-Georgia border. The Bassmaster Elite Series, June 10th through the 13th. Heading out of uh, Lakeside Marina, I believe. I don't want to be wrong on that. Didn't look that up, but I'm pretty sure it's Lakeside or Lakeport Marina on the Alabama side of Lake Eufaula. It should be a great event. I'm super excited about it. It was one of the rescheduled events. Obviously, the whole schedule has been shuffled around, but some of the events stay in the same spots they were. With Lake Eufaula being one of the exceptions, Eufaula was supposed to be around that April time period, and it got moved... um, to where we are now in June. So a different tournament on tap today, but I'm uh, next week, but I'm excited about it because it's a little bit of a twist. We haven't had a Bassmaster Elite Series ledge fishing event uh, in a while. You know, those Kentucky Lakes, the Gunnersvilles, um, Chickamaugas, those places that we remember with Bass Fests in past years, 2014, 2015, things like that. When we've gone to the TVA lately, it hasn't ended up being ledge fishing that has won it. You know, Jamie Hartman won Gunnersville last year throwing a topwater around a grass line. It was on the main river, and it was maybe what you, wanted to kind of, what you would consider a ledge, but it wasn't the big baits, find a school of fish, and pound on them for four days, or big baits, find a school of fish, find 50 schools of fish, and just beat on them until, uh, until you have the winning weight. Those Those slugfests offshore that we're so accustomed to seeing really hasn't been a thing lately when we've gone there you've been able to win kentucky lake is a kind of abnormality lately because of the conditions the lake's in but when we were in there the last time it was that i believe mid to late april and it ended up you know it was a shallow deal it wasn't offshore it wasn't a deep deal so a little bit different like you follow is uh, known for some great offshore fishing, some brush piles, but also probably, probably a really good shallow bite. That grass, the buck brush, all of those different aspects in June should be in place. So I'm going to jump right into it. We're going to have on today's podcast two different guests. That's right. We're going to do things a little different this time. It's not just me talking. It's going to be two different guests. I'm going to lay out the guests right now. We're going to have Cal Culpepper. He is a high school fishing standout, uh, current college angler, um, just a, a lover of bass fishing in general, aspiring pro. We can put that label on him. Um, he's actually prepping for the Toyota Series event on Ufalo, which is the week, uh, which is this week, the week prior to the Elite Series event on uh, Ufalo. So he has gotten some practice in the last few weeks. He's actually practicing this week as well. So that's what happens when you have a. Uh, tournament seasons condensed from June to November, you're going to have other tournament trails probably right before you, right after you, whatever, but we've got to get these tournaments in. Guys have to catch them and they will catch them. So I'm going to bring on Cal in just a moment and we're going to talk to him about um, what he thinks the lake will play out as. This is a Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing Podcast. This is what it's going to be about, but it's also going to be a little bit of a lake preview. We're going to get his uh, point of view on what the lake has been like and how it's changed over the last two or three weeks uh, since he's checked it out. And uh, and then we will get to the fantasy fishing picking aspect of this at the end. The last segment, I will bring Adam Bartusik on. He is a bass fishing 
fan as well. Um, he lives in Minnesota, so pretty far away from Eufaula, but he will be at that event in person doing some media coverage of it, so that'll be cool. He'll be able to experience that, but we'll get the lake perspective with Cal. Then we'll get some pick perspective from Adam, and uh, it'll be a good show. So hang in with us. The first four minutes of just me are coming to an end. I'm going to bring on Cal right now, and we're going to get a preview of Lake Eufaula, the first event of the Bassmaster Elite Series revamped schedule. So here we go. Cal Culpepper on the line right now. We're going to chat with him on Cast a Podcast about Lake Eufaula. Cal, how are you? I'm good, man. Hanging in there through uh, everything going on in the world right now. One hundred percent. It's not the not been the best couple month stretch. And I, I, on the news and on on social media, everyone's like, "Man, can 2020 just come to an end already?" And I I don't agree with that. I want us no, to finish out 2020. There's a plenty of at least in bass fishing. There's plenty of good fishing and good things to come. And hey, you never really can cherish the good things that happen in life unless you've experienced the bad things. So. Uh, with with as bad as 2020 has been so far, there's got to be some good silver linings around the corner. Oh yeah, no doubt. And uh, and what we're about to talk about right here, like you follow coming up, that's gonna gonna be be a good thing right there. So Cal, you obviously have lived in uh, Georgia in high school. You were one of the you know a, a great high school angler. Then you've gone to college over at the University of Montevallo, which is right there, dead center of Alabama, the Lay Lake region. So you follows kind of in between where you grew up and where you're currently residing. You know, in college, um, how much experience have you had at you follow over the years? Would you say, dude, I've had a ton of experience. I've. Uh... I only live about, when I'm at home in Georgia, I'm only about an hour, so I can make a day trip out of it, no problem, and, uh, and you know, just, just through high school fishing, I fished a trail out of Alabama and a trail out of Georgia, and with you follow being right on the line, you know, we fished that like a bunch in high school, and it used to be a nemesis of mine, and it still kind of is, but I think I have the whole, the whole summertime deal. Uh, kind of figured out that's that's when I've done the best on you follows in the summertime um but I, I like I said I used to have a, a strong hate for it but uh but she's she's been nice to me as of recently and uh I'm slowly but surely figuring that that place out and dude it's a it's a it's an animal it's a place where you can go and fish which however you want but um but yeah, I have a bunch of experience there, and I'm looking forward to seeing the elites show up here. So you are probably just old enough that you were getting into fishing for sure. When Eufaula was probably a bad word in the bass fishing, Eufaula has had its ups and downs over the years of how good it fished and how bad it fished, and it went through you know it went through a pretty pretty extended period of time where it wasn't that great. But over the last five years or so, probably it has came back. Uh, better than it was before probably, and it's putting out some really big weights. And you always kind of look at that in the news and the fishing results, and you're like, when is – this is too good to be true. When is Eufaula going to go back and have a have a rough stretch? But it seems like uh, the lake is in a really good spot right now, and June should be a really good time to to basically do whatever you want there, would you say? Yeah, definitely. And uh... – and when I first started high school fishing, I think that was kind of uh, around the time where the lake was was at a low point. You were catching a bunch of of 
12 to 14 inch fish and it was really hard to to catch you know all the big ones that that you're seeing now and like you said over the years it's just slowly but surely been getting back to that point and it's finally finally hit the point where it is it's like it is as of you know this year it's been unreal the amount of, of big bags you see and I don't, at least I haven't heard of, uh, of any 30 pound bags so far this year. You know, if those were, you know, those would have came pre-spawn most likely. And I'm saying it's not likely now because, you know, people are winning local tournaments with 25, 20 problem. But, um, but the amount of 20 pound bags there right now is, is incredible. And I think you're going to need but more than that a day if you want to win this elite tournament coming up because it's been very good recently. Well, and I think I think I remember it might have been you fall. I believe it was, but uh, Jarrett Brown, who's on your your Montevallo team, or he just graduated. One, I don't know. Some of these college fishing boys, they just like to hang around college for six, seven, eight years. So I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if he's out or what. But I swear he had like a twenty nine ninety something bag. Like yeah. he was. He, I mean, he's like three water drops from a thirty pound bag, yes, and that, he didn't. And that's that was, the biggest bag I've seen. That was in February. I actually yep. fished that tournament and. Uh, and didn't have as good a luck as Jarrett did. Jarrett, uh, Jarrett and Tyler were out there, almost breaking, almost getting a dirty thirty. And uh, me and Mason were dealing with a blown up motor, so that's that's how that day went. But yeah, they were right there. I literally think it, it was like twenty nine point nine eight or something. It was one drop of water. <laughs> so what for for people who've never been to Lake Eufaula? Break down a little bit of what kind of cover and structure you expect to be fished. Obviously, uh, when you're dealing with Alabama, there's going to be some form of vegetation. There's always going to be maybe wood in the water of some sort, maybe docks. But then also with the offshore deal, when you get in that TVA, Georgia, Alabama region, there's probably going to be some form of big time creek channels that, that develop ledges or there's probably structure out on those ledges. So... What would you expect June 10th through the 13th for the Elite Series with the conditions that you guys have had weather in that region? What kind of structure are we going to see a lot on Bassmaster Live? Yeah, so the good thing about Eufaula is it's one of those places where you can you can do good fishing shallow or fishing deep, and that's all year long. Even even when the, fat, the fish are spawning, there's guys you know catching big bags and competing out deep because there's there's enough structure out there that the fish stay all year long. And um, if a guy wants to swim a jig, if a guy wants to punch mats, if you're into that, I, I, I'm not into that, so I never do it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, swimming a jig and water willow, you know, there's all sorts of bank grass. There used to, there used to be um, a bunch of hydrilla, but that's kind of, you know, disappeared with uh, a bunch of the storms and then killing it off, you know, the past couple of years. But, definitely fishing deep on ledges and the amount of brush piles out there is incredible that's really what you fall is known for is its brush pile game and i know the i know the flw tour they went there a couple times mm-hmm. and brush piles played a big factor brian thrift won there in 2015 just fishing brush piles and he he threw he fished shallow a little bit too and that just shows you how diverse you follow can be you can you know start in the morning fishing grass and then once that sun gets up go fish brush piles fish ledges if you have a couple schools of fish marked and 
really, I think that's how it's going to be won is a guy being diverse and, you know, playing the shallow game, playing the deep game, and, you know, just combining everything that you follow has to offer because you can catch a six-plus pounder anywhere. Well, that's what I remember specifically that event. You know, I, I think uh, even before Thrift won in 2015, I think maybe uh, I remember Clint Davis vividly catching him on like maybe a big spoon or something like that at Ufala as well, dropping a big yeah. bag. That might have been in 2013 or something. You know, he uh, he did that as well. He's from your school, your alma mater, uh, Montevallo. And um, so we know that offshore deal. Now, for for folks listening in, is it? It's not like a TVA. Uh, it has ledges, but it's not like the TVA where there's consistent times of water flow. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know it, it's kind of uh, you know it dumps down into Seminole and whatnot. But you follow. Wait, is that right? Is that correct? What, the the Chattahoochee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it is it is above Seminole. I was correct in that. Hey, yeah. I just had a brief uh brain fart and I was like, is that a part? And it is. So yeah. they probably don't run a bunch of current through it. So is it one of those things where when you do have brush piles, you just have to run and gun to them. You don't wait for the current to turn on. You just have to kind of see which schools are ready to bite based on time of day rather than time of water flow. Yes, exactly. And uh it's just like any any of those TVA lakes, really, whenever they're pulling current Obviously, it's going to set those fish up better on the ledges to where they'll bite better. But that's when the brush pile game really, really shines on you, follow because if they're not pulling a lot of current and those fish just aren't set up right and they don't want to bite on the ledges, you can go run a bunch of brush piles and and the the whole current thing isn't isn't going to matter. Not with from my experience, at least. I I've, I've, I tend to. You know, be able to get bit in a brush pile whether they're pulling current or not but but the current just like any like i said just like anywhere it's going to help that ledge deal a lot like you want you want that current to set those fish up right but again that's where the diverse part comes in because if they're not if they're not pulling current you want to be able to have a backup plan because you know you can figure out how to make those ledge fish bite but they're, they're just not going to be set up right to where you can just sit there and whack them if they're not pulling a bunch of current now i there's always a wild card in june it's kind of like a a weird time for bass fishing because the spawn in the south is i'm gonna say 98 percent done you can find some fish in late may early june on bed probably still there's another wave that's definitely going to come up but they'll they might not they might be few and far between where it's not a full lake pattern it's just a region of the lake might have some um but there are other kinds of weird patterns that pop up and those would be the shad spawn or the mayfly hatch or the bluegill spawn. So is any of that going on or will go on within the next week or so, you think? You will definitely see some guys catching them off a of mayfly hatch because, um, little spoiler, I was out there yesterday and those mayflies have already, you could go out there and punch mayfly mats right now. The amount floating down the river. And, uh, and that's always a deal this this time of year. You know, usually usually that, that Mayfly hatch is more kind of like a late summer deal, but it's already happening, and you will see guys catch some fish on a frog, swimming a jig or around a Mayfly hatch, and you'll see guys start on a shad spawn. Um, I haven't found a shad spawn yet the times I've been out there the past couple weeks, but 
those guys are a whole lot better than I am. So they'll find they'll probably find <laughs> if there's a, if there's a Chad spawn, they might find it. Yeah, I get what you're yeah. saying on that. My my thought is this: uh, as we talk about this, I'm looking at the weather predictions, and it looks like about as consistent consistent as it can be weather wise. It's supposed to be in the upper 60s for the low and mid 80s for the high almost every single day from you know the beginning of June all the way through the end of the event and each day has a solid chance of rain. So my question to you is what's the water level doing right now and will you know a quarter inch of rain here a quarter inch of rain here each day make the lake do anything dramatically different? You know like how much rain will it take before they start either flushing it out or will they just let it rise more and more until it gets to the point of like, you know, they need to drop it. You know, it's one of those things. Do they need to drop it or they want to drop it? And, uh, you know, I don't know if you follow as a, a lake that fluctuates a lot. No, it, de- it definitely it definitely tends to stay at about the same water level until you get like a bunch of rain at one time. I don't think a little bit of rain, a little bit, a little bit of rain here, a little bit of rain there is going to make them really fluctuate it that much. It's really got to just pour for a solid day straight and bring that water up. And then, but then once it gets up, they'll bring it right back down. They don't, what I've seen in, in recent years is they don't tend to keep it up for very long. And right now it's about, it's, it's pretty much normal level right now where you can still catch, you're still going to catch them in the grass. But if that water level comes up, they're going to flood to the grass, and you'll see a lot of guy, a lot more guys fishing shallow. Not, not to say the fish aren't going to stay deep, because they stay, like I said earlier, they stay deep all year long, regardless of the conditions. But a lot more fish will be caught shallow if that water comes up and the grass is just flooded. So my last question for you, then, it'll, it'll be a two-pronged question. I'm going to put you on the spot. What do you think a four-day winning weight will be? 20 bass, max, four days, the Elite Series. What's the winning weight going to be? I'm going to say in the low to mid-80s. Low to mid-80s. Low to mid-80s. So you're going to have to have 20 a day to have a shot to win. Definitely at least 20. 20 a day. And uh, I'll put you on the spot for the second part of that question as well. Give me an angler or two. They don't have to be in a specific Bassmaster fantasy fishing bucket, but just give me two anglers that you think uh, will do well. Maybe one shallow angler and one deep angler, or if you think guys will mix it up and you have confidence in them, the same guy going shallow and deep, give me uh, give me a pick or two. Okay, so like I talked about earlier, Clint Davis – Great brush pile fisherman, great deep fisherman. He's going to be a player regardless. And just from, you know, he's he's done good there before. He'll be able to, to figure out that deep game, and he can catch some shallow swim in a jig too. He's, like like you mentioned, he's from, you know, the Coosa River. He can swim a jig. He can fish brush. He can he can do it all. He's a very versatile angler, and that's perfect for him, as he's proven. Buddy Gross is going to be oh – <laughs> Buddy Gross is going to be a a solid pick because again, they're out they're going to be out deep, and 
Buddy Gross can find them. But I'm going to throw you a third pick in there. Uh Uh-oh, doing more for the cause. Yes. Kyle Walcher, rookie on the Elite (laughs) Series. He, I grew up fishing against them. They were from the same home lake, but not not just because we're buddies, just because he has a ton of experience there. Obviously, being from the same area, he's not far from you. He's grown up fishing there just like I have, and he's going to be the one that figures out that mayfly hatch, figures out that shallow deal, and he'll 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 catch him shallow. You'll I promise you, he'll catch him shallow. Well, I'll, I'll throw in a wrench there. With him finishing in the top 10 at the St. John's, will he be your Angler of the Year leader after this second tournament? Uh, I'm going to say that there's a 90% chance he is. (laughs) Good. Hey, I like this. I like this candidness. And you may have just given away the rest of the podcast because you picked two two guys of your three picks that are on my fantasy team at this moment. So... Uh, congratulations, Cal Culpepper. This is now your podcast. <laughs> well, good deal. <laughs> well, hey, Cal, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, give some insight about Ufala. I love to do this. I used to do this just on the phone to get perspective because before I'd ever touched, you know, set set a boat on Lake St. Clair, I'd call somebody and get an idea of it just so I knew what I was talking about, um, you know, a little bit more. I've never been on Lake Eufaula, so this is some good insight. I know the fans at home probably enjoy the candidness. And if you want to follow Cal on Instagram, you can. His, his name is Georgia underscore Bassin. Um, obviously a uh, seasoned fisherman, came from the high school series. What year are you in school now? Are you a junior? Yes, I'm going into my junior year. He is a junior in college fishing uh, the series. Had a great story from Toledo Bend. Probably wasn't as great for him. Uh, in the short term, but he did the right thing there, and I'll leave you with that story. Uh, tell us, tell us exactly what happened at Toledo, and and kind of the heart wrenching, like like the decision you had to make, but it was the right decision. Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, Toledo Bend had a great practice. We were looking forward to the, to the first day, going to the first day, and we had. I don't know, I'd say roughly about 14 pounds around 12 o'clock. And the reason I, I know all these times and what exactly happened is because I got this on GoPro. And, uh, we catch fish and we fish in the boat at this time. And so me and Mason are both down in the boat, what we need to call. And basically instead of throwing two fish every one and at the time we didn't realize that because you know you just you're just so used to only throwing one fish back you don't think about throwing another back so we had six fish in the boat at this time didn't know it come back the way in we had 17 eight i think is what we had we were sitting in fourth place after the first day go back to the to the house we were staying at and I realized I forgot to drain the live walls, which usually I don't forget to do, but for whatever reason I did. And I look into the live well, and there's a three-pounder sitting in there that didn't have a cold tag on it. I Somehow I did not see it sitting in there whenever I was backing the fish up. Just one of those freak things. And at that time, it was about 6.30, and so we had to call Hank to let him know what happened. 
he was like, all right, well, let me check the rules and I'll call you back. He calls us back and lets us know that, unfortunately, he had to disqualify our weight for that day because in order for us to only get the two-pound penalty that, that you get whenever you make a cast without culling a fish or whenever you have six fish in the live well, we had let him know, I don't know, it was, you know, an hour and a half after the weigh-in ended. So for that reason, he had to disqualify our weight. And it, it was it was a, a hard deal to swallow because, like I said, we had a good practice. We felt really good going in that tournament. And then especially after that first day, we were like, okay, well, we're, we're in this thing. And for something like, like that to happen, it's I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. But it's things that happen in this sport, and uh, I just I don't know, man. It was it was tough to swallow, but I'm I'm glad that uh, that me and Mason, as hard of a decision as it was, were able to 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 work past that and go back fishing the next day. And we didn't have a good, as good of a day, but you know, we gotta gotta work past those things. Well, I'll say this from a guy who was at the event working it, from someone who's worked a lot of different events and fished the the events, uh, the very events that you're fishing now. I fished those college events. Kudos to you for the character because they always say that uh, someone, you know, you don't know someone's true character until they do something when no one's looking or whatever that phrase is, whatever that, whatever that catchphrase is. You don't know someone's true character until they're doing something, what they're doing when no one's looking. And you, you guys did that when no one was looking. No one was looking for a reason to DQ you. No one was looking for uh, any fault in you guys. And so that took a lot of guts to do that. Um, and it's not, yeah, like you said, it's very rarely that you are in a situation where you have seven fish in the boat because you're catching them so good and you only throw one back instead of two. So um, a great, great act of character on that. I know you'll be better for it. And we've got a couple events coming up for the college season for you to get some redemption on uh, to still make that championship. So uh, that was Cal Culpepper. I appreciate you taking the time, talking to you, Fala, giving that little bit of story for us, and then making some some good picks there for uh, Rapala Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, looking forward to the event. Yeah, we'll have to do this again soon. Talk to you soon, bud. Yep, see ya. That was Cal Culpepper. Great interview with him. A little bit of insight on Lake Eufaula. Now we're going to transition over to the point of the fantasy fishing podcast for Lake Eufaula where I bring in another guest and we're going to actually make pick picks bucket by bucket. We're going to kind of give who we think is going to do well and why and kind of go back and forth, maybe rib each other about our picks. But that is uh, that is Adam Bartusik's responsibility. So Adam, how are you today? I am good. I am good. Uh, it is very different to be talking to you on the phone and not on a Call of Duty headset. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're back to bass fishing. I know. It, it has been a, a, a couple months without bass fishing, seemingly, on the Pro Series, and super excited about that, that we're returning. And we're starting back with a Lake Eufaula event that was scheduled in April. It was going to be a, one of those great, you know, spawning type events. Um, a lot of rain hit the system, and so it could have been a dirty mud hole, power fishing type pre-spawn bite. Um, but we've re- we've rescheduled, revamped the schedule based on COVID nineteen and whatnot, and it's going to be the June tenth through the thirteenth event. We kind of get started, uh, and then we're going to take a few more weeks off before we go up north for a for a northern swing. So. 
Eufaula is uh, is interesting, but you'll be there, correct? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I'm uh, I'm hopefully going to be following Carl, um, being his videographer. I still need to book my plane ticket, but we're working on that right now. So I believe I'll be there. Yeah. So that's a good heads up for everyone listening to the podcast. If Adam picks Carl Jockamson, you may understand why there's a certain bias there because he's going to be shooting Carl Jockamson for an epic video that they'll post later. So, so if Adam picks Carl, I mean, you know, it's, it, could be a, it could be bias and related. I just wanted to catch him on a glider. Glider. So, Adam, um, we're going to jump right in it. Uh, obviously, Rapala Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing, we've had two events this year. We've had the St. John's River, and then we had the Bassmaster Classic. Right now, I'm sitting in a pretty solid mark. I'm, I'm sitting at 94.6%. I'm like 16th, 1600th overall, um, which doesn't sound great that 1,659 people are beating me, but that's only 5% of fantasy fishing because so many people are playing. A lot of prizes in store from Rapala, uh, Bass Pro Shops gift cards as well. Awesome benefits if you're a Bassmaster member, and it's free to sign up. And one thing that's unique about it is you can play with no one, and still win prizes, and you can play with specific groups of people. Like I created a group called Beat Ronnie Moore, and a lot of people are beating me, obviously, in it. But I'm holding my own. There's still chances for comebacks. But for you, it's got to be a different perspective. You pay attention to the sport a lot. You know a lot of these anglers and their styles. But they're going to go to lakes that you've never been to before, areas of the country you haven't visited. So how do you go about thinking about anglers and how they'll do well? Like what is your, what is your kind of uh, system on picking guys and when ownership percentages are concerned and everything? I think um, obviously you look at hometown favorites, but it doesn't seem like that does huge unless for some reason it's like Hartwell. Um, or like one of those blue back lakes, you know, there's like those special occurrences where hometown really takes over, but sometimes they end up not being great. Um, I tend to look for people who just always catch five fish. Uh, I just think that's so important and it leaves you from not getting crushed, especially in those back end buckets. And then normally in A, B and C, I try to grab someone who's not maybe the top guy getting grabbed, but sometimes you have to fall for it just because you know they're going to do good. That's probably the hardest thing for me. I, I never like to go with the crowd. Uh, I feel like there are always diamonds in the rough when it comes to certain buckets. And, and so for guys, you know, the ones that have 40% of the ownership or 25%. It just, it depends on if it is one of those do or die events or sometimes in those tough events, anyone can struggle. So you want to go with, you can pick anybody, but in those heavyweight events, you're like, I need a guy who's going to catch 80 to a hundred pounds. And some of these guys have been fishing the elite series for a couple of years now, and they haven't had a chance to to catch twenty pounds a day in tournaments just with the way they line out. So it's hard to gauge that. Some you need the heavy hitters sometimes. Uh, you need those those studs that are for the TVA, or you need those Florida guys. You know those guys that you know won't let you down, and that makes sense why you go with guys that will for sure bring in a limit uh, because you'll get minimum points there. They won't they won't be too low, um, and they can jump up and have a great finish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's kind of basically the big thing is because if you have someone who finishes in like 70th, it's just over. Um, that's what happened to me at the St. John's. I had a bad event there. 
So I'm going to jump right in. And bucket A, for those, for those who maybe are listening to the podcast for the first time, there are 88 Elite Series Pros. And there are five different buckets to choose from when it comes to the anglers. So, you know, that's roughly, I mean, if I'm doing the math off the top of my head, that's roughly like 18 people per bucket, 19 people per bucket. Or, I mean, uh, I guess I guess it would be like that 17 people per bucket, something like that. It gets you right around that 90-person mark. Uh, one of the buckets is obviously going to have to be lower than the others, but they base them off of the first event, you know, the first event we pick them, second or, you know, when the first event's done, it's based on how they finished in the event. After the second event's done, they base it on how, you know, all those guys have factored. So we're going to not only have bucket A people that did well at the St. John's, but also those folks who fished the Bassmaster Classic and St. John's. That's the confusing part of it. There will be some anglers that are not in bucket A that were technically in the top 15 or 16 in the event, but it's because they did not fish the Bassmaster Classic and they got booted out. I think, for instance, um, maybe somebody like a Jay Yellis, he had a good showing going into or at the St. John's, but he didn't make the Classic, so he is not in bucket A. He was one of those fringe bucket A guys. And he's down in bucket B, I believe. So that's just a heads up on how we do it. Um, ownership percentage is based off of the fantasy fishing participants for that week. It's not like, oh, for the year, 20% of the people have picked him. No, it's for this specific event since we reset the roster from the last event. So with all that being said, I'm going to take a breath and I'm going to go through my first bucket A picks and I'm probably breaking a cardinal rule that I always like to follow, Adam, and I never like to pick the highest guy in the bucket, and it's very hard sometimes not to, but I feel like I find a lot of good picks. But if this event goes down offshore like it can, like brush pile fishing, Lake Eufaula, offshore, you roll up on a couple spots and you can have 20 pounds pretty quick, then you got to pick a Buddy Gross. It's really hard to not pick him. And when you see what he just did at Pickwick for the Toyota Series, the semi-pro level over at FLW, uh, he just jumped in that tournament. He's a great TVA angler, and he did great. Got second place at Pickwick. It's a place he's got a win in the past. Um, And Eufaula isn't on the Tennessee River, but it should be an event that plays out. So Buddy Gross is is my pick for that bucket, 20.7%. That's a lot. Now, I like to... Yeah, that's going against your method. That it totally is, but when you look down, there's a lot of solid percentages. A Brandon Polonick's at 13%. A Scott Canterbury's at 10 Stetson Blaylock's at 20 John Cruz is at 14 And then everyone else is between 0.5 and 4%. You know? So it's, there's a bunch of guys that all have the same percentage with a couple outliers that are the higher guys. And, you know, I looked at a Patrick Walters. He's a pretty good post-spawn angler, but I just don't know if Patrick is is too familiar with with a Eufaula or with ledge fishing. I know he's he's good at everything. I've fished against Patrick, and I know, but he's one that I was looking at, and I could see him being one of those swim jiggers in the grass, um, but I don't know if you can do that four days and win. I think, to be honest, if if to wrap up my picks, I think – I think you're going to need a little bit of both. I think a Buddy Gross could have a shallow bite early and then go offshore the rest of the day, whereas some of those guys who are only going to go offshore could still win. But I don't think you can solely go shallow and win. That's my my thing. I think you can do offshore only and win, or you mix it up and win. I don't think you can only win shallow. 
unless it rains a bunch and they just flood the shallows. But those are my two thoughts in that bucket. Buddy Gross, uh, everyone picked him correctly at the St. John's. They were like 45% of people were like, Buddy Gross is going to do well, and he did well. So I know he's fired up. He did go down in pre-practice and and do some graphing. I know Walters went down in pre-practice. So we'll be interested to see, but I could see those guys playing out that way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with the Buddy Gross pick. Um, but for me, I'm kind of surprised you didn't take this one because I personally think this is a no-brainer. And at 10, I'm kind of shocked. Um, <laughs> I think Scott Canterbury is literally a no-brainer here. Like he's from Alabama. He's fished Ufala. Um He's been on other podcasts I've listened to, like the Alabama Bass Trail and stuff, and talked about how excited he was to go there um, and how it's you know on the rise and it's just. It sounds like just a big fish factory now. Um, so I'm, I think Scott Canterbury's a real good one just being from Alabama. He knows TVA, he knows ledge fishing, he knows grass fishing, he knows, you know, like you said, there might be a little bit of shad spawn left, probably not, but he knows how to do all of it. And if he needs to go shallow to deep, deep to shallow, he knows what to do. So I think that's a no-brainer uh, to go with Scott Canterbury. Um what do you think of that? I think you have to, right? I, I think that's a really good one. It's uh man I see him he, he probably loves grass, just like, you know, most guys in Alabama would. But I, I don't know if he's a puncher or if he likes punching. I know he likes flipping a jig, I know he likes, you know, fishing docks and whatnot, throwing a buzz bait, things like that. But if it ends up being like a, a mat flipping thing, I don't know if if he can do that and win, but I feel like if he yeah. if he dabbles around in a lot of things, he definitely has the chance to win. I mean, he I'm surprised he didn't get a win last year. He had a couple really good finishes like Waddington and um, you know Cayuga was a good one for him and and just some other places that he really had a shot to win at. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Canterbury just went ahead and got him a first elite series win, you know, at Ufala. But it's uh, I don't know if I like the local aspect of it. He's not exactly local, but He's close enough that he could put extra pressure on himself, and and I'd be interested to see if you know how roommates sometimes stray you from what your plan is, and if a Matt Airy is fishing offshore or a Jay Ellis is throwing a Senko around, and then Wes Logan's swim jigging somewhere, Canterbury could dabble in too many things and not and not hone in on wh- exactly what he needs. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. I just think like. Everything Canterbury talks about is how much he loves throwing a buzz bait, and I don't know if there's, like, really a better time to throw one than, like, with the fish being kind of, like, right out that post pond. And, like, just after, you know, uh, Shad's pond, stuff like that, if there's fish still up shallow, he's going to catch them on a buzz bait. He said he loves catching them on a buzz bait. So that's just kind of in on that. And it's funny you bring up the roommate thing, because my diamond in the rough, I was going to say for this, is just this just feels like a Matt Airy tournament to me. And I don't really know why, but there's like one or two events every year where I'm like, oh, I should pick Matt Airy. And then he does really well. And I don't, I can never really put my finger on what it is, but to me, this just feels like a Matt Airy tournament. I feel like, you know, coming over from FLW, he's good at everything. He's really versatile. Um, and he just kind of sneaks into some events and tries to, you know, take wins from guys. Um, and at 1.4%, for some reason, this just feels like a Matt Airy tournament to me, and I really can't explain why. I just saw him there and was like, oh, 
I might take Aerie, actually. That's one thing that I love about it is that normally if I can find a person less than 3 or 4% that, like, like Cliff Prince was 4% at the St. John's, and I'm like, I don't know what people are doing, but they're not thinking logically. Cliff Prince is going to catch him, and he finishes fourth in that event, and that 4% really paid off big time for me. But I didn't fall in love with anyone that was under 4% here enough to like override those five or six higher percentage guys like Blaylock and Cruz and uh, Polinick and, and uh, you know Buddy Gross. So that's that was hard for me. And so the fact that you looked at that roster and was like 10% Scott Canterbury, 1% Matt Airy, I like it. I'm like, that that makes me feel good that not everyone's just going to go with the high percentage guys because that's what I'm always afraid of. Yeah, and I think just kind of a third one just to throw out there that I don't – I probably wouldn't pick him, but, like, keep your eye on him. I think Kyle Welcher's going to have a good event. <laughs> yeah. Um, that guy loves swinging on him. I know uh, my buddy Sam Sobiek fished with him for a long time, like, down on Chickamauga. And I think he spent a lot of time in that kind of Alabama, TVA, uh, Chickamauga area fishing, and now he lives in Alabama. I don't know how far that is away from you, Paula, but uh, – He's just kind of one of those guys that I just I think of him with big fish, and that's probably because of the St. John's ten pounder. But he catches a lot of big fish, and I think uh, I think he's one to keep an eye on, especially when you brought up punch it. Um, I think he's one of those guys. Yeah, I th- uh, what's funny is I talked with Cal Culpepper in the in the segment before this, and he threw out Buddy. Gr- I just told him to pick three guys, or I told him to pick two, and he picked three. I didn't specify which bucket, which bucket it didn't matter, just pick three. And he said Buddy Gross, uh, Kyle Welcher, and Clint Davis. And so uh, Welcher is definitely one that, hey, I, he's a natural dude. He's from, he, you know, he, he grew up fishing around that Georgia region, uh, moved to Alabama, lived there and fished, all those lakes around there, and now he lives up by Chickamauga. And so he's kind of got that three-state Tennessee to Georgia to Alabama. He's got it covered pretty well. It's just I wonder – there are those guys who are naturals that do well, and I'm like, hey, more more power to you. That's awesome. But I'm also wondering how they'll handle handle some of the pressures. You know, it it is his second yeah. event, and he doesn't have that St. John's momentum anymore. You know, he that that was in February. You know, so I wonder getting going. But he has stayed fishing, and he's one that's been active during the break. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but you ready to move to bucket B? Yeah, I want to hear your picks first for bucket B. All right. Um, my number one pick, I picked him a bunch last year, and I just have to keep picking him because he never fails. It's Drew Cook. Dude just catches fish. That's literally all it comes down to. Uh, he's just always one of those guys that just seems to always be around fish. And that it doesn't really matter where they've been. He always is around fish. Um, in bucket B, you know, you can also try to go for, like, a home run pick. But I feel like bucket D, you can get convinced into a stretch of a home run, and that's where you can get killed. And I think there are some people that can tempt you into a bad situation in this bucket right now. That's why I look at Drew Cook, like I said earlier, a guy who's going to catch five, that'll catch five good ones, and is always around them. I like that. I like that pick, and Drew Cook would like that. He's a very confident angler. I got to fish against him in college, and I know him real well. He actually just moved from his home, uh, you know, basically where he was born and raised, uh, just into Florida, and he moved up uh, 
by Lake Seminole in Georgia. So he is not too far from Eufaula, and his best friend and roommate, Drew Benton, also moved from the Panhandle of Florida up to about 30 minutes from uh, Lake Eufaula. So those two guys, you may think of them as Floridians, and they are Floridians, but, man, they don't live too far from Eufaula now. So that's – and both of those guys being a bucket B, I, I like the the Drew and Drew – uh, what's dangerous is their third roommate is David Mullins, and he's also in bucket B. So if they really get the mojo going, it could it could be it could be a uh, trio of roommates in the top ten. Um, but I like that Drew Cook pick. He is a swim jigging fool. I hate I hate it for him that he missed out on the spawn for the Elite Series because we missed all those those tournaments in the spawn time period because he is deadly at that. But he likes swim yeah. jigging them with the best of them, and we saw it at Lake Fork with the shad spawn and the swim jigging that they did in May and stuff that he did there. So I think that he'll be one to watch um, for sure. But I'm going to go even more under the radar than your 2% pick, and I've got a 1.1% pick with Luke Palmer, Mr. Oklahoma Luke Palmer. This is, man, Lake Eufaula to me. There is a Lake Eufaula in Oklahoma, but this is the, the the one we're talking about is in Alabama. But... I feel like you could pick up Lake Eufaula in Alabama and move it to Oklahoma, and it would it would be just like an Oklahoma lake. Like I feel like it fishes like an Oklahoma lake with the bushes, the you know the sporadic docks, the grass that forms up, the water willow. I know that's a big thing in Arkansas, which is right here by Oklahoma. And I Luke Palmer loves to throw a frog. He loves to throw a swim jig, and he'll flip with the best of them. Um, and we saw that at uh, Fork. We saw that at Winyah Bay. And so Luke Palmer, he's going to be uh, one of my two picks in bucket B. The other guy, we already mentioned him, uh, but David Mullins. I- I'm torn in this bucket because Luke Palmer's a shallow dude uh, and not afraid to just live and die by that. And I feel like he, uh, I feel like he's poised enough to do well. But, man, if they start biting offshore and this, there's plenty of schools to go around or there's plenty of brush piles for, that Mullins has found – Mullins could be a real dangerous one. Uh, he's he's one that's grown up in East Tennessee, but boy, he he might as well have been, you know, born and raised on the Tennessee River because he uh, he is really good with his electronics and really good with power fishing offshore. So, Luke Palmer for the shallow game. I normally don't like to change my mind, so I'm probably gonna lock it in on Luke Palmer. Um, but man, if I do, I'm gonna change it to David Mullins. Six percent. The other one, um, the other one, I wanted to say that I like. I'm so confused that he hasn't had a good event in a long time, and it just seems like, oh, duh, he's going to catch him here. But, like, I'm scared because he hasn't caught him in a really long time, is uh, Kennedy. Yeah. This, this dude should win this event. Like, he really should win this event. He's, I don't know he's basically the local. He probably has from Ufala in his house, but I'd imagine it's a lot. Yeah, he's basically the local there. Um it's just so high and low with him, which would be breaking a rule of yours of like getting the guy who consistently catches five because he could catch 20 pounds one day and then catch three for nine the next day. And it's, and it's very hard because the way he fishes it. Um, but man, whether it's a big swim bait or a jig, those are his two favorite baits and he will lock them in his hand. Those are good ones to throw at you, Fala. Um, so I, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, I think that I think that, that uh Auburn, Alabama messes with people because it's farther south than Eufaula is. 
and then he claims that Lake Martin is his home lake, and it probably is, but like, man, he should, like, Eufaula fits his style more than a, a Lake Martin would, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a good one. Um, I'll be interested to know after all these stories, and, and really, basically, we'll get a vibe of this on Monday of next week, of tournament week, to see if, if these percentages change greatly, but... All we got to title this podcast is pick why you should pick Steve Kennedy for fantasy fishing. And we can boost those numbers up. We can get him higher than 5% for sure. <laughs> yeah, we could, we could get him up to 25%. Stephen Kennedy is going to win this event. Yeah, I mean, I've never, <laughs> I've never been more convinced of something in my life. But I really think that, uh, you know, he, he was so high and low at the St. John's, like had a really good shot to win that event. And then like, caught like one bass the next day and was like St. John's was rough yeah, on him. Yeah. For like a year and a half now. Like he did that at Cayuga. He caught 21 pounds and was in like fifth and then like caught one bass. And I was like, how? How did that happen? And so, but when you go for a win and you swing, he swings for a win. And, and when he hits, he, you know, he capitalizes. So I just keep thinking also, since we've had this discussion, swim jig, and I keep thinking of his win at Dardanelle on a swim jig. Uh, and then I keep thinking of um, Lake Conroe, his second at the Classic with a swim jig in the, in the, in the buck brush. And I'm like, golly, this really could be. I could convince myself easily and delete this whole podcast and just pick Steve Kennedy tomorrow. Yeah, that's why, like I said, I was shocked you didn't pick it. And I'm shocked it's 5.5 or 5.8%. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me. So for, uh, for Bucket C, I'm going to jump in to another guy who's not a local, but somebody who has a lot of history there. And I think that Clint Davis is going to be one of my offshore guy picks. Like he can obviously swim jig with the best of them. He's from the Coosa River. They do that at Lay Lake quite a bit. But I think his favorite place to be is offshore, Clint Davis being said. I think that he loves fishing offshore. He loves fishing brush piles and doing that kind of thing. And I feel like uh, Clint Davis would excel here. He's done well in FLW events here in the past when he fished the tour uh, as a you know a ripe college kid out of the college series. Six um, percent, I like that. That's pretty solid. He's not too high, not too low. He's about the fifth or sixth highest guy in that bucket. There's a couple big guys taking up a lot of percentage in that with with Swindle at twenty eight percent and Brandon Card at twenty six percent. Then you've got a Matt Heron who should do well at 10%, a Brandon Cobb at 9%, and then uh, Clint Davis right there at 6%. So, man, Clint Davis, if if I got to pick someone who I know is probably going to fish offshore but could dabble shallow, that would be Clint Davis. And I feel like that's the recipe to win is primarily fish offshore, but make sure you go keep it honest up shallow. Yep. Yeah, I can't argue that. It's not my pick, but I can't argue it. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> You ready for mine? I'm ready for yours. All right. Mine is solely based off a phone conversation I had on the way to Sturgeon Bay, actually. Um, I'm going to pick a very low value, 2.9%. I'm going with Gussie. (laughs) The reason I'm going with Gussie is I was chatting with him on the phone on the way, basically, out to Sturgeon Bay. But he was telling, he had told me, apparently he's done well there in FLW events. Or at least one back in the day. And it sounds like he likes the lake. Um, so he's pretty excited to get down there. And I just think the northern guys we have in the elites now are so good all around. And 
one thing I've always argued for northern anglers is everybody says we have the easiest fishing in the world. We do. We can catch way more fish, like they bite way more often. But when you get down south, you're constantly, like, after an hour of no bites, you're like, I need to go get a bite. So those northern anglers, I feel like, are really good at making sure they get five fish because they're just so used to catching a lot of fish. They're always looking for fish to bite. Um, so I think just Jeff Gustafson will be a good one. Really good offshore angler. Um, and, yeah, that, that's why I'm, I'm going to swing with him there. It's kind of just a gut pick. But I, uh, I just I didn't want to go with – my other pick was going to be Clint Davis, but I didn't want to go with Swindle because of uh, – yeah, the very very high ownership percentage. That's crippling, and especially in a heavyweight event, he could catch sixteen, seventeen pounds a day and not get in the top twenty. You know, and that's just that's tough sometimes with that disparity in the percentage. And I mean, if I'm looking at other guys, uh, even lower than six percent, I think a Caleb Summerall could do really well here. If if you wanted to live and die with five guys who who fish shallow, I mean, the second Caleb Summerall flips a mat and catches one in practice, he's going to run around the entire lake wide open looking for as many mats as he can, and he's going to have plenty of places to go and punch. And that's something that those Louisiana guys, if if 52 guys go and flip a mat and don't catch one, they'll they'll challenge themselves and be the 53rd, and they'll catch one out of that mat. And so I'm a, Caleb Summerall could be one. He'll, he'll be my wild card pick for that bucket, um, a guy who – has been really like laser sharp focused in during this break with his running regimen and like staying fit. I wonder how that's going to help some of these guys, the ones who have really been just keeping busy doing things, staying active during this break. They don't, I don't know if they really have to knock any rust off. You know, that's another thing that we're having to factor. It's June, but it's like it's the second week of the year, you know, and so there, yeah. there is going to be some rust of the guys who knocked rust off, fished the St. John's, were ready to get back in it got to knock more rust off, and that's something that, that Seth Fighter talks about a lot, those northern guys having to knock rust off. I know Gussie stayed fishing, but it would be a Minnesota guy picking a Canadian for a South Alabama showdown. That's just that's too, too typical. The grass lake. We like grass. We do like grass. People forget that. Uh, one other person I'll throw in for no particular reason other than he's always around fish and seems to be a big fish connoisseur, um, would be Cliff Perch. Um, at 1.5, if you want to swing for the fences, I think he might be a good, good pick. I've, I've been waiting for years for his win. I've been waiting for his yeah. win on a smallmouth place. It could happen this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if it if it came in an event we didn't expect. But Perch is a master with electronics, and that's a good, good underrated value pick right there. Uh, a guy that... He's not going to talk about himself at all, but when you get in a room full of anglers, they're going to talk about him. So that's that's when you know somebody's humble and good. Um, when we get to bucket D, I want to know who you're picking here because this is a wide-open bucket with some big names that struggled at the St. John's or the guys who did okay at the St. John's but didn't fish in the Classic. There's it. There's some pretty big names in the bucket and uh, and then some new guys that are you know still unknown. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, the first thing that hits you right away is you see over half the buckets taken up by Cherry and Fighter right away. Um, rightfully so. I, Fighter just has so much hype on him now, but, like, 
I would say if I had to pick someone who I think could win AOI this year just based on how the schedule got changed, I'd pick Sapphire. Um, yes, it's a northern guy saying that, but like not having to fish down south when uh, basically it's swing for the fences type events and having to go down you know, to chicken stuff later in the year uh, for more of grinder type events in the fall because Seth's used to fishing in the fall too. I think that'll help. Um, but anyways, back to the actual event. Um, my pick for this event, you're going to laugh at me again because I'm going north heavy. But uh, I'm going to go Corey Johnston just because the Johnston brothers always catch them. Once again, they fish largemouth a lot. They like grass. And uh, FLW does have history on Ufala. I haven't really looked to see if they've fished there necessarily. Once again, just more of uh, they like fishing grass. And those guys seem to always catch fish. And I know uh, that house tends to share information from what I've heard. So kind of the house gets on them. I think they'll catch them. So Corey Johnston is going to end up being my pick for the F bracket, but I also wouldn't be surprised if uh, at 8.5%, I'm sure it's going to go up a lot more, but I would not be surprised if this is the event that Hunter Shryock is in the top 10 the whole time with a flipping stick, and that's the only thing on his front back. Uh, I think that that's, that's one that's... Uh... That's one that's tough to pick because there are those guys like the Johnstons and the fighters, those guys who are going to need to catch them this week to bridge the gap for when they have that four northern swing event and they're really going to be able to thrive. But you can't have two bad events to start the season off and hope to win AOI. So some of those guys, the rubber's going to meet the road and they're going to have to do it. And um, so, I mean, I couldn't probably get any farther away from Canada with other than my pick of Brock Mosley down from Mississippi. But, boy, is this a get get the side of my boat as dirty as possible because I've been up in the mud all week uh, frogging and swim jigging and flipping. And I feel like this is up. You know, Brock Mosley's got a pretty sick neck beard when it grows in, and I feel like this event is kind of a neck beard event. Like, you don't need to look nice and pristine. You need to have a little mud on your tires, you know, a little bit of – mayfly guts on your windshield and and probably some grass on your front deck when you make it back to weigh in and i feel like brock is gonna live in that shallow stuff not afraid to fish offshore he's done well with smallmouth offshore uh he's got great tva experience and and some of that's probably fishing offshore um but man i I feel like this could be one of those ones hey if you're catching four pounders in the grass up shallow you might not want to leave and go out deep you know um so I, and he's a dirty water spinnerbait guy too, and if that if it if it does end up raining a bit, that could turn into you know a bite. Yeah, especially yeah, like you said, uh, when I was looking at the forecast, it's supposed to rain basically every single day from now till the end of the tournament, but it's only like you know incremental inches, you know, or uh, slight chances and whatnot. But there is a chance every single day. That's what it is in the south in the summertime. There's always thunderstorm chances. So. Uh, if that rain does come in, some of those back end creeks that that are feeder creeks will, you know, dirty up maybe. Or if the water does raise and rise enough, and uh, you know, if it's if it's a slow rise, Eufaula has no reason to rip it down. You know, they can a slow rise, they can continue to hold that water. But if it's an instant two inch gully washer rain, they're going to start moving water. So if it's just enough each day to be like, oh, it it did rain yesterday. I forgot it only rained for an hour. 
that if it does that every single day, that uh, that system could could get a little bit of color into it, and that could help the shallow bite last much longer. So he he would be my pick um, for bucket uh, D, and I, I think uh, man, there's a couple different guys in here that could excel and shock us. You know, a guy like an Ed Lockerin or a Shane Lineberger, guys that you wouldn't think that might be good at Ufala, and they might not. I don't know, but somebody who might throw a pop R or some old school stuff that tends to work in this post-spawn, shallow, maybe a little bit of, a, not a funk, but the fish aren't acting like they should, a mayfly hatch, like that just screams mayfly hatch, post-spawn, pop R. it's just like those couple guys I just feel like could really just sneak up and catch a couple key fish doing some stuff that that some power fishing guys might not take the time to do. And so another guy to think about is Kobe Krieger. He's not in that bucket, but he's a he's a Popar wizard and uh and he'll be he'll be one that'll probably in, implement that at some point. Um you know, if he's given the chance to do so. He's Kobe's over in bucket C. We just missed him in the last picks, but bucket D, Brock Mosley, um and then a wild card of uh, a combo of Ed Lochran and Shane Lineberger with the with the pop R Mayfly bite. Yeah, I, I can't argue that. Uh, Mark Menendez too might be one to. Yeah, I just looked down at him and I'm like, well, man, if I just keep picking people, I can't pick one person. So I like my 1.2 percent pick there. I've been picking some solid ownership guys. You know, you got a you got a 20 percent guy. You got a six percent guy you got some of those dudes but i i'll go with a one percent guy here and and that takes us over to bucket e and bucket e is kind of a weird situation because that's a mixture of guys who are some big name heavy hitters that you would have put on your short list to contend for aoi and they didn't have a good event at all at the uh at the uh, St. John's River. One thing to note, it looks like he's not on this list. Um, I don't know if this is breaking news or not, but it looks like Yusuke Miyazaki might not fish this event because, uh, you know, his ties with Japan. And if he can't get back here, like the Canadians might, you know, might struggle to get back here. It's a little different. They can drive here from Canada. You can't drive from Japan. So if Yusuke doesn't make it back, there'll be one less guy in bucket E. He finished uh, in the last bucket at the St. John's, and I don't see him here. So that's something to note. Um, but one guy I'm looking at, there's, there's a lot of good guys, and I'm just going to run through it real quick. Lee Livesey, Chris Zaldane, Greg De Palma, those are Rick Klun. Those are four pretty big names uh that did did well last year and have iconically done well that are in this bottom bucket and then you've got a couple louisiana guys oklahoma guys florida guys texas guys i mean this bucket's wide open in the fact of i don't know who to pick i don't trust the chris zaldane 47 percent or the lee livesey 24 percent that's a really high percentage for guys um that might have pre-practiced there but they haven't fished a professional event there you know, yeah. we haven't had one since the Elite Series has started at Ufall. I think we've had we had three from 2000 to 2005, but we haven't had any since then. That's those are huge percentages. That's uh, you know that's seventy uh, percent for two dudes. So that's why it's wide open is because everyone else is you've got fifteen guys basically with thirty percent. You know between them. So 
I like a Bill Widler. He's from that Birmingham region, the Coosa River, swim jigging, lay lake kind of thing. He's at 3.7%. This could be an event for him. And it could and I it could be an event for him and my other pick it has to be an event for him. It has to be an event for Garrett, Garrett Paquette. Garrett Paquette, uh, I'm not going to ream him out here, but had a phenomenal first half of 2019 and then stubbed his toe in epic proportions going up north, and it ended up culminating with a terrible performance on his home lake at St. Clair and missing out on the Classic via a tiebreaker. So Garrett... If you happen to listen to this and you're still listening this far in the podcast, you got to catch him, bud. Because if you catch him here, that relaxes you a little bit as we go up for the Cayuga, St. Lawrence, Champlain, St. Clair run, where he really has the chance to do well. So he finished next to last at the St. John's. He'll be pressing this week. If he can just do well, that'll help bridge the gap for a good mid-season push in those four northern events for Garrett. So Garrett, no pressure. But at 1.1%, I'm putting you on my team uh, more for the desperation factor because you know you got to catch him, bud. Well, dang it. You hit the two that I, I was looking <laughs> at because of the local. And then Puckett was so good to start last year. And I was like, ah, you got to catch him again. And that's literally my only theory on that. <laughs> um, I'll, uh, I guess I'll talk about a couple others then that might be good that I could potentially convince myself to do. I'm Like you said, I'm really scared of the Chris Zaldane, 47%. One, because ownership percentage. And two, I have this weird feeling that Chris Zaldane's going to throw an 8-inch mag draft all day, every day, <laughs> and I don't know if it's going to work. <laughs> um, it very well could, but like... Hey, he could have really three scared. for 26 pounds one day, but only three. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Like, it could really work, but I just, oh, it scares me so much. So that's why I don't go there. But one with a high ownership percentage that I think would actually be a good pick is Lee Livesey. Um, he's up in that 20%. Like, you, uh, I can't remember who you took in bucket A, but up in that 20%. Buddy. Mark. He's, you know, offshore fisherman. We talked about, he was at Lake, that's Lake Fork, right? I'm thinking of the right person. Yep, yep. Yep, yeah, Lake Fork where he kind of fishes, I feel like he's really good at that in-between time, where they're like done spawning and they're going out deep, and he's a good deep water guy too, but he's good at kind of just burning a ton of water and a ton of spots and figuring out how to put together a lemon. Um, so that's where I look at him. And another one, and you're just going to make fun of me more because it's a uh, hometown thing, but just based on where he got his win that got him to the Classic and uh, got him into the Elite Series, and you've talked about bushes so much, Bob Downey. Bob Downey. He, on Grant. he just flipped bushes forever. And if he goes and just flips bushes forever, he literally only got like six or seven bites a day, I think he said a gram. But uh, that that's a potential there. But I really don't know because that's a guy you're talking about too who's a rookie who went to the St. John's, didn't have the greatest event, and the conditions were really weird, and then it was shortened. And then went to the classic, and that was kind of weird too. And you know what I mean? Like he just kind of had a really weird start to uh, the elite series, and just a weird way of getting there because he'd only fished the opens once. That's so you uh, don't really no. Twenty twenty. That's the word. Weird. This has been weird. Yeah, Nothing's weird. normal. This is hopefully we the the elite series kicks off the stretch of normalcy for the United States. <laughs> 
I'm probably going to end up taking leave of his Yeah, of the guys that are high percentage in this bucket, only two of them there. I feel like Lee's not too high that if he doesn't do well, you know, you're not you're not as hurt. But if if half the people, so this is how the percentages work. You are picking Lee Livesey, who is picked by a quarter of the people in this bucket, and half the people in this bucket are picking Chris Zaldane. So with that being said, if you beat, if Lee Livesey beats Chris Zaldane by two spots, you beat half the fantasy fishing world, which is like, you know, I think it's like 29 to 30,000 people. You beat at least 15,000 people by a couple points, which can help you. But also the flip side, if Chris Zaldane wins the event and Garrett Paulquette finishes last, I'm screwed either way, but I'm really screwed because 50% of the fishing world will get max points if Chris Zaldane was to do well. And that's like, that's why, that's why it's almost like if you're not married to anybody, you got to just pick the high guy because if, if he's going to suck, he's going to suck for everybody. And you might as well at least get the suck points with everyone rather than like going out on a limb and him doing well. And then, um, and then you're just getting beat by half the fantasy fishing world, you know, from the get go. So I like that. Um, it's really hard. There's a lot of just different backgrounds in this bucket and, uh, some guys who are hungry. And we haven't learned about half of these people yet. And I'm, that's one thing when you said that for me as a fan, like I, I don't know, like I haven't seen you yet. Yeah, and like that's what when you were talking about Bob Downey, I saw a Caleb Coupon on you know a bucket or two before because he did solid at St. John's and then he and he went to the Classic and did solid. Um, for for a, a Coupon and a Downey, those Northern guys that have only gotten one Elite Series event in the Classic under their belt, like I'm I'm so excited for the Elite Series to be back, not because we're we're bored. But because I, I know how many of these guys are good dudes and good anglers, and I can't wait for the fishing world to, to meet them. I thought they would have already been met. So I'm super excited about that. But um, if I have what to – What are you taking for weight? That's what I was just about to say. If I was going to wrap it up with one last thing, uh, what the four-day weight number would be, uh, I got to think real quick what this would equate to for four days. I think this is like 22 pounds a day to win. I think 88 pounds, 15 ounces is my pick. 88, 15. You're right there around 90 pounds, uh, but it's not 25 a day. You know, I think that I think that a guy could catch 24 and then get 18 and then get 22 and then get 22. You know, and like be right around that 86 to 88 pound mark. Um, and so I, I think 88, 15. It might be a little high, but man, Ufall has been putting putting out some big ones. So. That's my four-day winning weight, eighty-eight fifteen, and that is a tiebreaker for um, you know if you if me and you tie, whoever's closest yeah. to the uh, to the weight will get more points. So yeah, I got I got two thoughts on the weight basically. Um, one is if this event would have happened in April, our weights we'd be talking like one hundred five to one ten, right? Like, yes, we'd be talking century mark for sure. The way it's been putting out big fish like. Didn't really doubt it. Um, but with this event, if the weather stays the way it is and it doesn't downpour two to four inches one day and just gets super muddy and they got to flush it out, like we're talking pretty stable summer weather um, or getting into summer in the south, I guess, 
I'm actually going to go a bit higher than you. I'm going to go to 92-2. I think that there's going to be someone might catch a dirty 30 one day and get them up there. Like, get an eight-pounder or something to really get up there. Because just, I haven't been to Ufala, but from everything I've heard is it is the best lake in Alabama right now, Um, especially for really big fish. Uh, But if we get a ton of that rain and stuff, I'm dropping it down to 75. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, I ha- I've had an Elite Series angler on the phone say, hey, if we're being completely honest with ourselves, I think that this could be a higher weight event than it would have been in April. And that's not saying like, oh, it's 120 because we thought 105. He thought, you know, it's so hard to break the Century Club in a spawning event or, yeah. you know, you know, it's got to line up perfect. So he didn't think it was going to take too much, maybe 90 pounds to win that, not 105 or something. And so he thinks that it could take more than it would have in April. And so uh, I'm interested to see that. And that wouldn't surprise me if no. the fish are out deep and you can get on a school like, you know, a Kentucky Lake or Gunnersville or something on a ledge, it, it could get crazy. That's what's, that's what's exciting is this is kind of a Tennessee River ledge event without the Tennessee River and their water level fluctuation tantrums that they do. <laughs> Not hating on you, TVA, but it seems like sometimes yeah. it's about to line up and then all of a sudden you just don't move any water. So they don't need water movement at you follow for them to bite offshore. Uh, it's just... Man, we saw Brian Thrift here win in 2015 at Ufala for the FLW Tour event, and he ran around about 100 brush piles a day. So if a Buddy Gross or, uh, you know, a David Mullins or, you know, uh, Clint Davis runs around and gets plenty of spots, you know, uh, that they can hit to themselves, it could really get nasty. Or a Keith Combs, somebody like that, uh, I really I, could, I it could be. I thought of that when we were talking about people we haven't talked about. I was like, how about we talk about Keith? <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think there's just a lot of different factors. It's it's a hard event to pick because there there's so many ways they could catch them. So I think it's gonna be a great event. I'm excited. Catch them, and it's such a diverse fishery. Yeah, 100. percent And the and the amount of knowledge on the lake is much is for it being such a historical event, like one of the founding bass lakes that Bassmaster cut their teeth on in the early years, like Seminole and Ufala, like those were places that were heavily visited. For we, for us not to visit them since before the elites started, uh, none of these guys have experience there except for David Fritz and Rick Clun, hardly. You know, like the Canadians all were on the tour after 2015. I think they were like 16, 17, 18, were there three years on tour. So they didn't get to fish in 15 maybe, uh, one of them might have, but I don't think all three did. And so that's like, for me, uh, it's it's an open book and it's fair game because no one has a bunch of experience in Bassmaster tournament action there. So that'll be fun. I think this is a prime event where we're going to have like three or four guys in the final day, like Bassmaster Live. I feel like we're going to have six or seven guys with the chance to win because of the bags that can be brought in here. But you're going to have like three or four guys on that last day that you're like, Googling who they are. I re- yeah. And we're going to get to see their personalities come, you know, full-fledged out in big moments uh, on Bassmaster Live. And so that's where, hey, Seth Fighter, Mississippi River, you know, finished in second place. We got to learn all about him. And then he goes to Mille Lacs and wins, his AO- wins the AOI championship. You know, didn't make the Classic that year, but came out of nowhere, barely made the event, and then wins it uh, after having a second place and the mullet and all that stuff. Like, you can 
these are the type of events that you just can make your name right now. And that's uh, and yeah. and I think that's really cool. The power of that, just Bass Live, final day, everybody watching, kind of thing. Yeah, and there's gonna be so many people watching. It's gonna be insane. Nobody's watched sports in forever. <laughs> yes, yeah, a lot of people are gonna watch it. So, well, Adam, I appreciate you taking the time to pick some guys with me. We went way over the 25 minutes that I thought we would do, and so uh, it's packed full of good details. I'm excited. Uh, I think a lot of people will listen to an hour podcast if it's got some stuff they like to talk about and listen to. So appreciate your insight, your input, and uh, I hope you have a fun time going down there to that event and working. It'll be good. And uh, obviously, I'm going to be watching it all unfold through the lens of a Bassmaster Live camera from studio. And uh, I'm really just, I'm really psyched up to get back to what we would consider the new normal and just what we love so much that we want to make a career out of it, covering the best anglers in the world. It, that's the best thing to do if you can't be a pro angler yourself. So super awesome. We're going to give it, their, give it our all. I'm going to end Saturday afternoon with zero gas in my tank, no energy, because I'm going to leave it all out there for our, for our you know, working hard on the show. So it's going to be great, man. I'm excited. Yeah, dude, super excited. Can't wait to get down there and, uh, from what I've heard, it's going to be hot and there's going to be no wind. So I'm going to go from like Minnesota spring to uh, dying of a heat stroke. And I'm very excited for it. Yeah, you could totally get a tan finally. You won't be as pale. They'll think that you're a foreigner just visiting Minnesota when you get back. Yeah, me and the Canadians, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, that was Adam Bartusik picking uh, for our final segment of the podcast. Rapple of Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing Lake You Follow. There were our picks we would never lie to you guys. We care about you too much to lie. So we laid it out on the table for you. But that was episode 17 of the podcast. I'm excited to get back to doing this. And, uh, you know, uh, we're going to do a lot more of these things. A lot of big news coming up in the bass fishing world um, the week before Eufaula. And it involves the the it involves Lake Eufaula. So I'm excited for you all to hear about that. But thanks for listening to the podcast, episode 17 in the books. And uh, we will catch you on the next one.